All right. Just uh, so we don't become the only show in America that had four hours to talk and just completely gloss over the Shohei Atani news, let's bring that in here before we talk uh, Kings basketball with James Ham. Of course, James Ham of the Insiders, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. here on ESPN 1320. With us now, ahead of the Kings and Nets, uh, coming up tonight at the G1C. Uh, news broke this weekend. Ten years, $700 million. Mm. 70 per year. There was all talk about how high that contract would get. I didn't think it would get that high. I really didn't. He's rich. Uh, I didn't think he was going to get that many years. 10 years, $700 million. The Dodgers have already said he's a designated hitter next year. Hopes to go back to being a two-way player the following year. And there you have it. Shohei Itani doesn't even have to leave his house. That's kind of crazy that they paid that much for a designated hitter. Well, that's the thing. If you're showing, like, how much longer? Like, you know, the injuries come. Like, if I'm the Do- like, if I'm showing, I'm telling the Dodgers, hey, I'm probably not going to pitch after two years. Deal's already signed. Yeah. Given the injuries that he's already had. Yeah. I think like, he, he wants he, to pitch, though. That's yeah, the I'm, thing. I'm sure he does. But, yeah. I mean, it's his second Tommy John. Yeah. 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 The best part would be if he just had his interpreter tell him. <laughs> that's it. He, he, like, he wants to be like, a designated. What did he say? <laughs> he said he's not pitching anymore. <laughs> wait, wait, what? What? He said he's not pitching anymore. Okay. How much is a contract <laughs> worth for a, a hitter, Shohei Atani? Because he's obviously really, really good at that. It depends. Uh, on, it depends on. Is what? it still forty to fifty? Yeah, it's five hundred million. Uh, I don't know. We've never seen this before. To be honest with you, never seen a, a hitter only, and like we're talking about, literally a hitter only. Mm-hmm. Not, you don't play the field; mm-hmm. he just hits, and then he was a pitcher too. But now that's gone for next year. So literally, just a hitter. The thirty, the forty home runs, one hundred and twenty RBIs, batting three ten. Guess that's worth seven hundred million if you're if you're the the Dodgers. Can the, can the Dodgers put in like stipulations like they need him to pitch in like a certain amount or something no, like that? Because that's what they're late. paying for. Yeah, too it's, late. It's too, that's the that's the your point. It's too late. Yeah. If you if you had those concerns or those things that you wanted to do, it, it needed to be done beforehand. This is insane. This from Jeff Pass, and I was reading about this earlier. I don't even understand how this is legal. Shohei Itani's seven hundred million. So I I I was reading about the deferment that they were doing, mm-hmm. but I didn't. the The extent is incredible because there is a. I put I put, I put the exact phrase. There is a. What is it? A competitive balance tax. It's it's similar to a salary cap, but it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. But there's percentages and all of these different things. There's repeat offenders. There's all of that stuff. They're going to avoid that, despite the fact that this make, man makes seventy million dollars per year for the next ten years. Mm. Shohei Itani's seven. This is from Jeff Passan. Shohei Itani's seven hundred million dollar contract calls for him to be paid two million dollars a year for the next ten seasons, with six hundred and eighty million dollars deferred until the end of the deal. The it says CBT, which I'm assuming is competitive balance tax hit mm-hmm. on the contract, is going to be around $46 million. Jeez. A huge discount for the Los Angeles Dodgers, which means the Dodgers can continue to go out and spend money on whoever they want. So wait, is he just like independently wealthy? Yeah, I, I don't, I do <laughs> like not. Two million, uh, like, do they, can they give him loans? Like, there's got to be some loophole there because $2 million a year, I mean, it sounds a lot. Well, how but, much money does he have? Well, we're talking about that's in LA. That's not that much money. Like, well, yeah, but this probably, is, the last contract was probably a $100 million deal. Oh, I don't know. That's well, no question. one look. No one oh, look. Yeah. No one look. Oh, yeah. I have not looked. Let's see. Hang on. Oh, I, I don't. Yeah. Is, is there a is there a baseball page that does this stuff? I think so. <laughs> I think I can look. My guess. No, no, no. Don't look. Okay, I think I got it. I, I think I got him on spot track. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, career earnings. Okay. All right, I think we could do this. Okay. Career earnings: 
six seasons. Hmm. Six seasons. Well, this is weird. Oh, this is going to be tough. <laughs> this is going to be tough. Six seasons, all for the Animal a- Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, Orange County. The most money he made. Wait, are we guessing? Or do yeah. We guess? Okay. No, we're guessing. Yeah, we're guessing. All he right. tells you the, the most he's made in a year, and then you take that and try to figure out. Well, see, out that's the weird part. The most he made in a year was last year, uh-huh. and it was $30 million. <laughs> Six seasons for Shohei Atani. No draft. I'm over from Japan. 29 years old. Six seasons, obviously, that this doesn't include the new deal. Uh, since James is new to this, James, we will go to you first. Six seasons for Shohei Atani. The most money he's made was $30 million last year. I'm going to guess $68 million total. James Ham says $68 million. Kenny Caraway. $130 million. Uh, $130 million. And just because our other music disappeared. <laughs> Jesse, we got KC at 130. We got James at 68. Jesse's not in there. He has no idea this is happening. He's missed it. That's tremendous. Jesse will get an L on his record for not being here. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. The man is not here. Well, well, I guess he lost. On him. I guess yeah. he gets the L. And James Ham gets the dub. What? $42.2 million. Oh. I told you, I tr- I tried to tell you the $30 million was confusing. Yep. It was $5 million, $3 million, $259,000. Like I thought he got a crazy deal to come over here. I thought, like, he wasn't, I wow. didn't think he was looked at. I didn't think he got paid like a rookie. To come over here, I thought because there was you had to pay to talk. So to was him. that uh, arbitration deal that he got last ah, year? Yes. Like how did yeah, is that is that what happened? Right. Yeah, because you had to pay you to know, talk to him. I thought it was I thought it was big money. Turn this off. I mean, he signed yeah. the, the there was a signing bonus for two point three. He had two separate signing bonuses for two point three million dollars. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna guess his his um, rookie his original deal was a four year ten million. Right around ten million. Yeah, so I mean he made thirty million bucks last year, so maybe he can float it for a while, but that's uh that's a lot of money to defer. Well, does he have uh, endorsements and it, it, it that is an 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 absolutely insane amount of money to defer. Is that, I, I don't even understand how that's legal. Is that mm-hmm. a baseball thing or a California thing? What? Like that money to defer. It's a baseball thing. Yeah, so it probably was gonna happen no matter where you went. Yeah, well, by all so accounts, it's not like I chose choosing the Dodgers over the Yankees. Yeah, that's what I'm like saying. Like, if he would have went to the Yankees, he wouldn't have got all the money. He would have done the same. Thing. I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand how that practice is legal. Mm. Like from a competitive standpoint, like if you, there's no deterrent because of this to pay a player a billion dollars. We'll just pay him a billion dollars at the end of it because mm-hmm. we can still. The, and, and in the Dodgers case, we can go still sign every free agent on the planet because we're the L.A. Dodgers and we have the money mm-hmm. and we're only paying Shohei Itani $2 million. That's wild. You take that other 68 and you put it in some investment. You're making money now on the Shohei Itani deal. You take the $68 million that you're saving, you put it in some sort of investment account. By the time this 10 years up and there's $680 million you got to pay to Shohei Itani, it's in an account that probably has $900 million in it. Yeah. I mean, the, that's insane. The, the, reason, the reason why it's, uh, I guess, legal is because everybody can do it. I guess. I, Man, that is, I've never that seen is anything like that. That's, that's, no, hey, that's crazy. Hey, you miss pocket watchers. You I just did. want to let you know that. <laughs> you missed pocket watchers. So what, Kenny got to steal a win because the champ wasn't here? No, well, James no, won. Didn't count. You can't even win when I'm not here. Didn't, it didn't count because Jesse wasn't here. <laughs> I had to step out. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a quick six, six seasons. The most money he made was last year. It was $30 million. Shohei Itani, what's his career earnings, not counting the so new So far? Deal. Yeah. Let's go 215. 
Oh, yeah, not even close. I you, still you, win. You, That's you, a win you, for yeah. me. No, it's That's not. That's a win. I was closest. James won. No, well, I was closest. It? It's 30, it was $42 million. <laughs> Why did I go so high? I don't know. So did KC. The only one that was close was James, and he was $20 million. a baller. That's why. That's the goat right there. Wild. Wow, that is that 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 is just absolutely incredible. So absolutely incredible. The other aspect of this is just like we all thought Giants strike out again. Um, yes. There's no confidence in, in these guys to do anything. Do you know? This is something I learned over the uh, over the weekend. Charles Johnson, uh, owner or the guy who owns the majority of the Giants or whatever. The richest owner in Major League Baseball, valued at six point four billion dollars net worth. Mm. So if he would have got wind that hey Shohei's got a seven hundred million dollar deal on the table, and this is before we know these little hacks that they have, mm-hmm. if you don't up that to eight hundred million, oh you you're worth six six billion. Your well, your team is garbage. Six, he's worth six billion because he doesn't. Throw his money around. I'm sure. Well, <laughs> let me ask you something. Is this All right, that, that does once again? He's worried about making money. This is what I said a long time ago. They're worried about making money, not about winning baseball games. They don't care about baseball. Uh, the, the Giants yeah, front office and I, ownership. They don't care about. I baseball. I think there's only a handful of owners that actually care. And Man. yeah, you're probably right. He's not one. Probably right. He's not one. So I ask you, ten years, seven hundred million dollars. Is this investment going to pay off? Well, now that I know the structure of the contract, it's going to pay off for the Dodgers, but let's play I mean, along here for make, a second. They'll make money for sure. The thing for them on the field is about winning a, a championship. Until I see them win a championship, I, I, I can't say they're going to win one. I mean, I would, I would be surprised if they didn't, but I've been surprised a handful of times when they didn't. Like, how are you guys going to lose this time? You didn't got Mookie Betts. How are you going to lose this time? You got Manny Machado. How are you going to lose this time? You got Granky and Kershaw. Like, how are you going to – and they lose every time. So until they actually win, I just got to see it. What if they go the duration of this deal and um, the Dodgers only win um, one ring with Otani? I would say it's worth it because that's – they need to it's win One more ring than you have. <laughs> They, they 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 have to win a championship. I don't know. I I don't think there's any way he's going to live up to the deal. I think the last four years will probably be like pretty close to dead money. Like I just don't see it. He's had again two Tommy John surgeries. He's a great hitter, but like we're talking about age thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine. Like that's a lot of money. I think that they're going to flush a good two fifty, two hundred fifty million down the toilet. In, in this deal, I mean, look at Miguel Cabrera. I mean, they were paying that guy so much money the last couple of years, and he's just a shell of himself. And but a shell of himself making thirty something million dollars a year. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think he can live up to it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong though. That's a as great as he is. That's a lot for a guy who only hits. And I know they say he's gonna pitch, but even then, I mean, even if he, even if he does do both. I mean, he's pitching every five days. How much can you really run him out there? Oh God, it's coming to, like coming off two Tommy Johns. You're going to start him 38 times, and then the playoffs next the following year when he can pitch mm-hmm. and think he's going to hold up. Like, I, I, I think the Dodgers and the Giants are in two different places. If I was the Giants, they have a selling tickets issue and trying to make money for their franchise issue. And I think you go and do everything you can to get that type of attraction. And in San Francisco, if I was the Dodgers, I might have thought about passing on Otani if that was the price tag. Yeah, I mean, like, look, Otani's a huge draw. And even the Dodgers can use a draw. Anyone can use a draw. I mean, Major League Baseball is not like it's just, you know, selling out every night. So uh, he will fill the seats. And I guess that's that's part of the equation when it comes to how much money you're going to pay him. But that's just a ton of money. I like, I, I don't know. I, he's like his. He's been MVP twice, right? Silver Slugger twice. Like this is a really really good player. I, I just don't know that over the course of time, what are you going to? You're not getting 300 starts over the next 10 years. Yeah. You're not. You might be lucky if you get 200. 
Well, so. this contract will look like nothing when De'Aaron's five-year, $379 million contract in yeah. a couple of years. Uh, just a quick follow-up. We're going to talk Kings basketball with, with, with James Ham here, but um, since everybody was had an opinion on it, Dave McMiniman tweeted this uh, uh, not too low. Uh, the Lakers will indeed unveil a banner to recognize their in-season tournament uh, in the rafters of Crypto.com Arena on December 18th against the Knicks. There'll be a couple important distinctions. It will be a completely different shape and color than the finals championship banners. And this I actually think is pretty dope. There will be one IST banner that will reflect the 2023 win and any subsequent wins uh, will be added to the same banner. Mm. So wait, they're so gonna, it's completely uh, different. They're, are they going to pass the banner around? Or is there just going to be spaces for there? Well, uh, if the Lakers win more. There's just a standard type of banner. that that, Say say the the Grizzlies win next year. They get the same type of banner Mm. and put it in their – Oh, that's not what I – that's not how I read this at all. I read that this was the Lakers' idea. Oh. The Lakers will hang a a banner that will reflect one – like if they win the championship next year – it's going on the same banner. There's not going to be 10 in-season tournament Got banners right, right, right. hanging at Crypto.com. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Um, of course, I didn't read it the way that you guys did. So I, I, that makes sense, It'd be though. funny I mean, if I, the Lakers take it down and hand it to whoever wins no, next No, year. and what I was saying was James James was asking a legit question if it's, the banner is going to be moved from city to city. I was just saying, did the NBA create – a uh, uh, specific banner that the Lakers now have, and if like a red, white, and blue banner, I'm gonna guess. And then no. the Grizzlies win next year, and they get the same type of red, white, and blue banner. I'm gonna guess no, banner. because the teams are in charge of their own banners too. If just being like picky, if I'm Genie, that'd look awful. You got all that gold and purple, and now you want me to hang up a red, white, and blue banner like. Mm. Nah, I'm it clashes. Gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Like, it make our arena look like hell. I'm not gonna do that. No, that banner up Plus, there. Those are clashes. low key Clipper colors. Like, I'm not doing that. Well, the Clippers ain't even gonna be there no more. Well, it's all right. And, and I don't want that banner hanging in here no more. <laughs> didn't and I they, didn't want that stupid picture of Doc Rivers in my building oh, either. Damn. Didn't the, didn't the Doc. Kings run the red, white, and blue court when the Clippers came through town? They did. Yeah, it's yeah, like, hey, here's that, home court well, for you. People really yeah. get upset about that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, that one looked. A it lot was strange. kind of funny because of the jerseys they had on. It was like, hey, this is weird. This is weird. I really didn't like that court either, to be honest. Maybe it was because of like I like the gray one a lot. That it was like I think that was like the next game. Yeah. Like, oh, this is boring. The red should have been blue, in my opinion. But that's crazy. I can't believe blue. he's making all that money, and they're deferring so much money. Oh, we're back to Shohei. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. That, that's absolutely the, the the deferment thing is just absolutely insane to me. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Uh, Kings twelve and eight, twenty games into the season. How's everyone feeling? Fine. Better yeah. than eleven and nine, which is what they were last year. Okay. Well, optimism. <laughs> there we go. I, I like it. I mean the 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 quarter mark of the season is approaching here. And over they got four games over the next six days with the Nets tonight, the Clippers. The Thunder, the Jazz. Do we have an update on Malik? No, I was looking earlier. Was there a shoot around and was anyone there? I, I, there was a shoot around, but I don't know if anyone was there because I went to your, your, your partners on the, the Kings beat and neither one of them were there. Poor, and I looked at other people. Poor Sean's like, probably still recovering. He had a busy day yesterday, but yeah, he's been really busy. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, as far as the the injury report, I would make one distinction here. It it says he's questionable with an with an injury slash illness dash N slash A illness. Um, I haven't seen that distinction, and I also uh, that's a weird distinction because we have not seen a non COVID related illness attached to it. So I, I don't know. Like we're gonna have to wait and see what happens here, whether he's he's there when we get there or not. Um, and Colby Jones is questionable as well with the low back with low back soreness, hmm. carrying the G League squad. Well, they signed hey, they signed a, a random wing guy yesterday. Did that that make you feel a little better? Well, I didn't see it. <laughs> they signed some guy from Europe. Not, not he's the, not European, but he played European ball. 
six five. Nobody ever heard of him. Is that that is that better than Stanley Johnson? Yeah. You were pretty hard on Stanley Johnson, bro. I can't lie. Like, oh, I wasn't hard on Stanley. He was Johnson. hard on the Stockton Kings. Yeah, yeah, I was oh, hard on the, really hard the on so, idea behind. So, so the, the, my point when we had that conversation was, I think the guy's name is Marcus Brown or something like that. If they would would have signed Marcus Brown, the only reason that we were doing that is because Stanley Johnson had played in the NBA. That's for the only reason years. That. So okay, so <laughs> if they sign this guy that nobody's ever heard of, that shows that they're about de- developing now, right? Oh, I don't, I don't. I'd have to look and see what it, how old he is, and all that stuff. I, I have no idea. Uh, I didn't see this, uh, this addition, so I'm not sure who he is. I ain't never heard of the guy. I think it was like Thursday or something like that. But either way. Um, I did want to ask you something else, Doham, about the Kings and the way that they're playing basketball. Um, Will Z had a bunch of numbers about how they, um, the, where the shots are coming from on the offensive end. And, you know, they were tops in the league and, you know, off ball screens or whatever the case may be. And this year they're in the 20s and they're higher up in isolations and in pick and rolls. And what those numbers said to me, just looking at the numbers, was, oh, they're turning this team more into a De'Aaron Fox team offensively. And I think Mike and those guys may believe you're going to need more of that in the postseason. I feel like that's what they're talking about when trying to get them to reach another level. You need a guy that is used to and can take games over by himself if need be. And I think that's the transition it seems like they're making when you combine the numbers that he has, the way that he's playing. Do you see the same thing with how the offense is doing, like where the offense is is going, the direction it's going in? Yeah, I I mean, in all actuality, like Fox has taken like per 36, he's taken like two and a half more shots per game than he did last year, which is, you know, a pretty substantial like jump. But the fact that he's playing 36 and a half minutes a game means he's just on the court a lot more than he has been in past years, which is pretty substantial. I mean, because on paper, he's he's shooting over four shots per game more than he did last year, 4.3 shots per game more than his 18.2 per game last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, a lot of that's because he's on the court for an extra three minutes. Um, and, and that matters. And I, I, you know, and again, if you're on the court, it's not just that he's on the court. I think he's on the court in crucial moments where he's going to be asked to score a bunch. Mm. So, um, like, look, at some point, you're going to have to worry about running him into the ground a little bit, especially when you're asking him to play so much on the defensive end and then turn around and be your best player on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. But it sure does look like it is like a De'Aaron Fox team. And then it's Demonis Sabonis, and then it's like a free-for-all where everyone is fighting for scraps a little bit. The the numbers that I was talking about, just I'm not going to go down all of them, mm-hmm. but some of them were like last year in pick-and-roll, man, they were ninth. This year they're first. Last year in post-ups, they were 16th. This year they're 26th. Spot-up shots, they were fifth last year. They're 28th now. Handoff, they were second last year. They're 18th now. Cuts, seventh last year. 20th now so it and I didn't look at the tape to you know see what this stuff is but just reading those numbers and then you know seeing their first in isolation now and first in pick and roll man it sounds and then just seeing Fox's production the shots he's taken you know he's got 30 attempts you know games at this point it seems like maybe they're making more of a transition into uh, him being in complete control of the offense yeah I mean it's not like out of the realm of possibility. I mean, like the numbers are are saying that he's he's like a much more like active participant in the offense. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can also say the same thing about like Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray and, and uh, Harrison Barnes. Like they're losing shots left and right, mm-hmm. uh, especially like the last couple of weeks. Like Kevin Herter had that stretch where he was really good. I mean, Kevin Herter's down to twelve point three points per game. You know, his, uh, his field goal attempts are, have dipped all, all the way down to 10.3 per game. His minutes are down like three from last year. So, like, there are a lot of guys who are having to share share the wealth here. 
And that's before Keegan even starts going. If you get Keegan going, you're going to see him jump up and start taking a bunch more shots. So, uh, like, I, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of offensive opportunity, but there's also a lot of hungry mouths on this team to feed. And, and real quick, Dame, uh, the other aspect that we talk about Fox, but it feels like, once again, I don't have the numbers in front of me to necessarily back it up. I'm just going on the field. feels like Malik Monk is taking a bigger role in the offense this year playing more minutes, getting more shot attempts, and he's a pick-and-roll isolation type player as well. So, you know, that that may go into that aspect as, as well. Yeah, I think they're, they're definitely playing a lot more pick-and-roll than they did last year. It's something that we kept asking for. Like, I, I like the DHO, but you're so good in the pick-and-roll. Why aren't you going to it? And it does feel like they're doing a lot more pick-and-roll early on. Um, and then down the stretch of games, you know, that's when you really start running the same play again and again and again. And like using the pick and roll to really, you know, to end a game quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's just a super efficient offense. As far as like, you know, shots taken and all that stuff, like we're seeing a little bit in uptick from a guy like Malik Monk. Like Kevin Herter, I mean, really, he's only down like 0.2 shots per game off of what he was last year. But the difference is he's averaging three points less per game, which is a little surprising that it's that dramatic. But you're seeing Harrison Barnes shots take a huge dip. You're seeing Keegan Murray from last year to this year taking a pretty substantial jump. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is I think you have a lot of other secondary players who actually are offensive players where, you know, if Terrence Davis was playing like on a regular basis, he would have been taking, you know, five or six shots every game. And that's actually a lot for a guy who's only playing, you know, say 14 to 15 minutes a night to take that many shots. But we're seeing guys like Sasha Vizenkov stepping right into that and taking that that sort of role where he's he's shooting more than that. And Trey Lyles is shooting more than he did last year. So some of these secondary pieces are actually like taking advantage or at least hoisting up shots where last year it seems like it was a little bit less. So is the offense this year worse or just different? Well, it's not as good. I mean, I, like by the end of the season, though, the tweaks that they're making, the things that they're installing right now, may make it way better. Mm -hmm. And and I think way better than now, or way better than last year. Well, it, it could even be more sustainable than last year. Mm -hmm. So I thought when we got to the playoffs, like the the Golden State Warriors made them very one dimensional. That's what you just kept. It's like the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. And then if you can't break through like the first line of defense. It's just a bunch of dudes passing the ball around the outside. So that's what it started to look like. And it was like, hey, why aren't we seeing more pick and roll? Why aren't we seeing some of these other aspects of the game that they should be really good at? And the fact was, they hadn't been doing it all year. So, like, you don't typically call a play, like, 25 times when you only usually run it three or four times a game. It's just a totally different dynamic to your offense. Mm -hmm. So I am surprised that they're not getting as many open looks uh, like what if, if I haven't seen the stats, but that's what you're saying, or they're not taking as many wide open looks, but not really, because look at how we keep talking about Harrison Barnes not shooting the ball. It's, he's not getting opportunities to shoot the ball. So you know what I mean? It, it like they're still getting paint touches, they're still getting all that stuff, but but when you go from you know 9.6 shots per game last year and 10.8 the year before, down to 8.5, you're just not getting the same opportunity and. He's shooting half as many free throws. So that shows you that not only is he not getting enough shots, he's not even getting the opportunity to go shoot the ball. His usage percentage is down. All of that stuff is way down. And so, yeah, maybe you're right. It is more like the sort of the power of the offense is shifting more towards De'Aaron Fox. Mm. Did, did you guys, uh, you guys didn't do that same thing this year that they did last year where Mike Brown like walked the media through the, Offense and defense. You guys didn't do that. We didn't. We didn't get it. Uh, we didn't do it this year. So I'm not sure why that is, but it's okay. Like I mean, we had a good idea of what they were doing last year. I'd like it if they updated us, but like I don't think they want us knowing everything they're doing, and they were kind of hiding out with I stuff. I don't think Mark Jones believes you can move your feet. <laughs> no, he, and you know what, Mark Jones is right. <laughs> Like I, I didn't like I laughed when I saw that. Like I love Mark, we're friends, and I, like he's right. Like there ain't no shuffling left in, the, in this guy. Yeah, there's no lateral <laughs> quickness left. Clip. We didn't we didn't see that live. It was just on Twitter. Like oh no, 
James Ham catching course, strays. That's, of course, that's the tweet. James Ham catching strays from Mark Jones. And I'm like, wait. <laughs> nah, no, he's not. They're good. Yeah. And then finally the clip gets posted. It was like, oh, okay, that's funny. Yeah. Well, that and, you know, that's like funny. if we're going to like, like I would just go back at him and say, okay, are you like Papa Elf there? <laughs> like, because he's the way that they took the video was tilted. So Katie was really close to their <laughs> screen and Mark Jones is over there in the corner. And the size disparity between the two of them in the in the it shot, was, I'm like, okay. It was like the the video that the NBC cameras took, and the person who screenshot it on their phone, he was like sideways. <laughs> it looked it looked extra crazy. Yeah, it did look extra crazy. <laughs> and like when we had the the night that everything shut down, the pandemic night, like I had to do reports on the court standing next to Katie, and she's wearing you know four to six inch heels. Like there's nothing you can do in that situation. You just like. Like the disparity, and I'm not short. Oh, I mean, look at the little fella doing basketball look at the commentary. Fella. <laughs> yeah, like, but I mean, she was like a good six, seven, eight inches taller than me, like on the court. I'm mm. like, there's nothing you can do about that. Nope, there's nothing you can do, James. Just stand there and talk <laughs> Kings basketball. That's all you can do. Um, you guys talking about the offensive end? Friday, it felt like what we saw from the Kings, a lot of it happened on the defensive end. Of course, fourth quarter Fox will get the highlights, rightfully so. Uh, 23 points in the fourth quarter, 34 on the night. But it was really that night that the Kings had being able to create some separation. One, to be able to take the lead back from Phoenix and then create some separation. I think it was a lot of due to a lot of defensive stuff they were doing in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, they really limited uh, Devin Booker. And mm-hmm. it wasn't one of those games which was like, okay, if this guy beats us, he beats us. That's not what they did. They said, no, no, we're going to take you. We're going to try to take you away or make your life really difficult. So I thought they did a nice job of defending Booker without fouling. Um, you know, I thought Keon Ellis played really well. He won the won the defensive player of the game. He had he had a bunch of shots too, so he ended with ten points. But overall, like this this team does have defensive potential as a team as a unit and especially against a team missing Kevin Durant and you know, you can keep going not only were they missing Bradley bill, but Grayson Allen, mm-hmm. like these are all offensive weapons. They help space the floor and everything else. And if it's just going to be Eric Gordon and, and uh, Devin Booker really coming at you, that's not that difficult to, you know, sort of defend the court. So I thought it was surprising that they went down big at half uh, like were they fifty nine fifty at half, mm-hmm. but then rallied very quickly, and then like you could tell one team didn't have the horses, and the other one did. So they look good. How Lots did of you, contributions. How did you um, kind of look at that game on Friday night? I know a lot of people were frustrated, at least you know in real time, were frustrated with the game being as close as it was for a little while. Um, and I looked at it simply as like they they got the win. A lot of the times in situations like that, the the Metsus, guys who don't play often, they're going to be playing really hard to make sure they, you know, show out for the coach or for the league or something like that. And then I also said, how many times, and James, you definitely know about this because you sat there and watched all of them, how many times did a bad Kings team hang with a Warriors team for three and a half quarters until they said, we're done playing with them and we're going to win this game now? It happens. When you're a good team, those things happen. I think the Kings are a good team. You're going to have, you know, two and a half quarters of, hey, this team's kind of close, and then you step on the gas and create that separation. That's how I looked at that game on Friday. Yeah, I didn't – I mean, like, look, I, when you're going into that game, I think everybody had a little bit of a hangover after losing and getting bounced out of the tournament. Mm. So it's not a game that you really are, like, excited to play, but at the same time – there's a tremendous amount of value to that game, right? So I know a lot of people are out there like, oh, well, Minnesota got to play the Spurs. Well, okay, they're never going to tie the Spurs and and need that win. Mm. All of a sudden you have an extra game now where like, if you get this thing going and all of a sudden you you beat them a couple of times, like twice, now you got a three to two advantage or or four to one advantage because you play the Suns five times now. So, if I'm the Suns at this point, I'm like, hey, why do we have to play the Kings? 
Because I think that was the biggest conversation coming into it. Like, first of all, it's a tweak that has to be made. Like, the Kings and the Suns both should have played really teams that got bounced out of the tournament were low seeds. They should have had to travel. Those other teams should have had to travel to the Kings and to the Suns. Like, I don't care about the disparity of home and road. That doesn't really matter. What matters is that the Kings should play a team that didn't fare as well in the tournament as the game come when you get eliminated. You should not, unless they're going to make a consolation bracket and you actually get something for it. So, but at the end of the day, I, I really do think that this is, it's a really high quality win. It's a win against the, the, uh, the Suns at like the right time because, mm-hmm. of course, Kevin Durant is out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are things that you have to think of. Like, you might not, you could lose to them four more times. But you got one on them. Now you know you can beat them. And you, when they start adding in their other pieces, hopefully by that point the Kings are playing better and, and can handle it. Because of the Pelicans game, is the bro, is it still, it's 41-41, right? Yeah. Because they had the home game and then the, the with, with the Pelicans and then the mm-hmm. Phoenix one was away. Ended up working out. So it ended up working at 41-41. and 41. Yeah, is that the, right? Do I have that right? Yeah, I think the the teams that, that won. Okay, let me think. The Lakers, I believe, might have an extra because both of their in season tournament games yeah. were home. So now they have an extra home game on the season. So they'll be forty two and forty on the road, and, now, and someone will lose a road game. Now that I but they only game. played one, right? Because yeah. wasn't the other one in Vegas? Yeah. Oh no, that's true. That now that I think about it, the reason why, and that may be the reason why the Kings had to go on the road, regardless. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's you, what I was trying to work. Well, through. no, it, you it's, got the home game yeah. in the in the quarterfinals, and Phoenix, Phoenix had a road was on game. the road, so to to match up, yes. they had to be at home. The Lakers won. You guys, if they would have lost, you guys both would have been at on um, at home. But the Lakers got the higher seed, so maybe that's why you had to go. No, totally. That's what it was. Yeah, the Lakers would have – that's why the Kings were always going to be on the road because the Lakers had a higher seed. And if the Kings would have played them, they both would have lost. Um, And then the Suns, even though they both lost, the problem there was that the Suns had already played on the road, Kings had already played at home. So they they kept it balanced. I get that. I I get that. done, even though they never answered our questions. Even though they never (laughs) – they never acknowledged us. Well, the answer is you play these teams five times now. Yeah, like yeah. that's all we were asking. That's all. <laughs> it's literally yeah. all we were asking. <laughs> How come no one could just say, "Yeah, you'll play the Lakers five times. You'll play the Suns five. Suns Whoever five it winds five. up being, you might if you might you might have to play them five times." Yeah, it's a lot. As long as it's not the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah. Play the Pelicans five times. That loss looks so much worse, given how bad the Pelicans were, and then the fact the Pelicans were like a joke after that. Mm. Like, it was a whole weekend leading into today of just Zion jokes. And then the Ingram-Zion clip circulating from the podium about what they do in Vegas if they won. Them dudes beat the Kings? Mm. I think uh, it was Aiki from uh, Sacktown Royalty. Everyone, Aikis from Sacktown, mm-hmm. well, from the Kings Herald, right? He said that the the Kings, the Lakers, and the Pelicans are Rochambeau. Like one's rock, one's paper, one's scissors. They all beat each other in some way, but they can't, like paper can't beat scissors. So, (laughs) but paper can, so if the Kings are paper, they can, the Lakers would be rock, but the Pelicans are scissors. And then the rock smashes the scissors. So they can beat the Pelicans, but you know what I mean? So it's like a never ending cycle of of people. I, I thought it was a funny way to think of it. It's just a bad matchup. I think the Kings are a better team than the Pelicans, but they're a worse matchup, and I think that if the Kings play the Pelicans in a seven-game series, they'd be in a ton of trouble. Like, I, I would I would go Pelicans in six, like, that if I had to guess right now. But we're, that's not where we are right now. By that time, the Pelicans could have 400 games missed due to injury because that's who they are. Well... That's certainly possible. We'll come back. We'll talk more Kings basketball. I want to go back again, if we could, to Friday's game. Because I want to talk about Keon, Malik, and Sasha. I want to talk about the way that the bench uh, has played for Sacramento. So we'll talk more with James Ham ahead 
of tonight's Kings-Brooklyn Nets game at the Golden One Center. With either one, Casey, return here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. Back here with now. James. Song. We took that song. We took your songs. We took your heart. <laughs> we took your winning season. It's over. It's over for Philly. I thought it was just a game on the road to the bigger <laughs> goal. No, we, we, we're collecting souls. No, on now, okay. we, now he's okay. We're collecting track. souls. Okay, got you. All right. Well, uh, Kenny's collecting souls. I'm here with James Ham. Uh, Kings and Nets tonight uh, at the Golden One Center. Of course, Kings get the win on Friday against Phoenix. I don't want to leave that Phoenix game just yet because another thing that stands out outside of Fox's performances in the fourth quarter, another thing that stands out, uh, outside the collective uh, defensive effort in the third quarter is the way that the bench played. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, it's led by Malik Monk, so we'll be watching his status for tonight really closely. But two really big games for Keon Ellis and Sasha Vazenkov. KC asked a, a, a question earlier, and I think there might be some evidence to this, that you know, does it appear that Sasha might be finding his, his NBA rhythm here a little bit? I, I think so. I mean, the fact that he had three steals, that he had two assists, he, he really hasn't been passing the ball yet. Like, you see him every time he gets a ball, he's ready to hoist, and he doesn't care where he's at. He can be, like, in real Linda. He's, like, ready to fire. <laughs> so, like, I, I think that that's, that's sort of, like, the next iteration of him is calming down and just playing the game. And he's up to, you know, 20 minutes, 18, 20 minutes a game here for the last... I don't know, I'd say a week or so where he's playing more and he's earning his minutes and he's playing better defensively. And, you know, when he's hitting his three, it just adds another element. But because again, he's spacing the floor so well, they're not short threes. They're not, they're not easy ones. And so between, I I think that what they'll do here is between him and Trey Lyles are going to have moments where one of them is hot and kind of has a moment and takes over a little bit in that second unit. But the fact that you have multiple guys like that that can do what they're doing, that can hit you know three or four shots, go get six rebounds in a game, that's really big. I, I think it does add another element because that number for for Monk, thirteen points, six assists. That's kind of who Monk is. You know, it's thirteen to sixteen points. Sometimes it goes a little higher, but the six assists, four to four to six assists, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a uh, you're writing in his numbers in pen. But then to get these other numbers, and again, might be one of one of them, might be the other. But him and Trey Lyles, between Sasha and Trey Lyles, they're really, I think, playing well. And then anytime you get a performance like Keon Ellis had, where it's a really, really concise ten points, and it doesn't feel forced, and he's not in the way on the offensive end now, he's actually moving where he's supposed to move, and he's shooting the ball really well. Uh, that's just huge because he brings so much energy and and like impact on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I mean, we were talking about Sasha a little bit, but just speaking on Keon, I mean, that's that's the performance you're looking for from him, you know, where, where your impact, his impact is felt on that game. He ended up scoring 10 points or whatever, but he was also, you know, working on the defensive end and doing things there to impact the game, and that's what you want from him. I mean, Damien asked the question earlier, I mean, is this just what it is now, like, the, the a lot of the the minutes are going to go to Monk for you know that guard spot, but it seems like Keon is going to get the rest of the minutes over Davion. And if that's the case, that's all you're really looking for for Keon, in my opinion, is just have your impact felt on that game. And he did that on Friday. Yeah, well, and you have to be a threat to shoot the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that that's been the biggest problem with Davion is that like a lot of times you don't feel like he's just going to catch and shoot. And it's we've talked about it so many times about just being like kind of a square peg in a round hole. I don't think he's a bad player. And in all honesty, I think he's probably a, a better player than Keon overall. But Keon is bringing something different. And he brings just an energy and a moxie to the court that the Kings need. I mean, if you have two of them, you have him and you have Monk coming in with sort of this personality, mm-hmm. I think it's really, really big for the team. And... I'm going to bring up this weird stat on the year. So, again, for the season, Keon Ellis is averaging 2.2 three-point attempts per game, right? He's only averaging 2.8 total field goals per game. So 
shots per game come at the from within two uh, a two point range. He's shooting eighty seven point five percent from two point range, mm. and I bring this up because he's doing his job. He's not doing anything extra. He's not doing anything crazy. He's not trying to take people off the dribble and do something silly. Every once in a while, he has a pull-up jumper. Every once in a while, he gets out on a break and scores a bucket. But what you're not seeing is a player who's forcing anything. And eventually, that his three-point number, it's going to come uh, right up to you know, 35 36%. Again, he shot really well last year and uh, at the G League level. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was really well. And, and the key to Keon Ellis is always going to be that this is exactly who he was in college. You're not asking him to do anything else. You bring energy, you play defense, you shoot open threes. That's your job. If every once in a while you can get out on a break and run, that's that's it. Outside of that, your job is very small. This is exactly who you are. And go play the role that has made Bruce Brown a bunch of money and a lot of other players like that. Just go do the dirty work and, and don't get in the way and play solid defense and you'll keep earning minutes. Is there a stat or number that you particularly like to keep an eye on? Like Will always has like swing stats of the night. KC uh, looks at uh, made threes. I look to I like to look at the assist total. Is there a, a number that you kind of zero in on as the game goes along? Yeah, I think assist totals. What you talk about, it's mm-hmm. something that if they're not moving the ball, I see it like right away, mm-hmm. and then the the stats always show it out. So. And, and the other games where the ball is hopping and you feel it, like this team has had, you know, 10 made baskets in the first quarter and nine of them are assisted like midway through the quarter. And you're like, holy cow, like you can't stop a team that's doing that. So I think when they're moving the ball and they're playing with that type of flow, that's when you know that they're going to be really good, when they're going to have a good night. Yeah. Is, is that something that fluctuates for you? Like is it? matchup dependent or is it just this is how they have to play basketball no it's not matchup dependent it's that if they're sharing and they're hitting their open shots so so again the assist number directly correlates to your three-point number Mm -hmm. like if i know they're not hitting their three-point shot i know that you know their assist number is going to be low Mm -hmm. now the assist number might not be low compared to how many shots they've they've uh they've taken so you could have the assist number be at like eight and they've only made like 10 baskets, but they're 10 for, you know, 27 or something. <laughs> they're not shooting the ball well. And you know that, t- but typically when a team isn't passing the ball well, you see it in a lot of aspects of the game. When they're not moving the ball and you have a lot of selfish player or you you just don't, like the ball gets sticky. Like we've seen that with this team. Not all that often, but mm-hmm. like on occasion. And, I'm you know, when you've covered a team for so long, I've seen so many different iterations of the team that, again, the assist number to me is always like a really good barometer for who and what they are on that on that night. And you have three legitimate playmakers at this point between mm-hmm. De'Aaron and Domas and Malik. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to move the ball. And what Malik has been doing, both with that second group and is when his time when his time overlaps with the starters, which is a lot, mm-hmm. has really been incredible incredible and it feels like over the last few games between what he's done and De'Aaron's done it's like Domas has just been quietly doing what he does like we've marveled at De'Aaron's performance against Phoenix even talk about what this bench has done meanwhile I think it was 15 and 17 I think it was 15 17 and 5 uh, for Domas on Friday just just regular work yeah it's just what you expect of him yeah easy peasy just go out there and grab 17 rebounds yeah um, when it comes to Monk, like that's who you brought up originally there. I, I mean, Monk is just playing so incredibly well. He's not shooting the ball well from two, uh, but from three, he's shooting a career high of like 42.4%. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also averaging a career high 4.7 assists. Um, his minutes per game are all the way up to 25.1 as opposed to 22.3 last year. So we're seeing Mike Brown. And I would say that even though his minutes are up like three minutes per game, his shots are only up 0.7. So it's not like he's going out there and doing crazy things. Mm-hmm. He's just improved, especially as a three-point shooter. It's something that like, I, I really think he's done a great job of improving as, as a shooter as time has gone by. Um, what I like about this, though, is Mike Brown has, has a job to do, and that's basically to pitch Malik Monk this entire season 
that this is the right place for him and the right job for him. And it's not easy because, you know, Malik might want more, but at the end of the day, this is probably a perfect situation for Malik, unless he's going to be like a starting point guard for some team that plays a, a style that just gives him like carte blanche to do whatever he wants. And I, and I man, you got to be, a, I, I don't think you have to be that great of a salesman. I think Malik, we talked about it before, as long as, you know, they're, they're showing respect with the, the type of contract they offer him, I think he'll stay. But the guy, like you said, it got to be in his ear to be like, this is it. This is, this is how you become, um, you know, a, a person in the NBA that name can last for a long time. I'm not saying you're a Hall of Famer, but, you know, a Ginobili, Vinnie Johnson. We talk about Vinnie Johnson to this day yeah. because of what he did for championship-winning teams. Same with Jamal Crawford, uh, Jamal same with Crawford, Lou Williams. Lou Williams. Like, this could be who you are in this league or, and no disrespect to him, he's paid well and he's still a good ball player. You could be Tony Rozier. Yeah. You know what I mean? And And – I think Monk is, you know, the type of guy that understands that and understands um, what goes on uh, in a person's career that allows them to ascend to another place, being in playoff games and having playoff moments and things of that nature, that he could get that best right here in Sacramento. Did you mean Terry Rozier? Terry Rozier, not Tony. You said Tony Rozier, and I was sitting here like. Tony. Yeah, I heard it right away. Yeah, I don't want to correct I looked it up. I was like, I don't. Terry. That's where I said Terry. But, Scary Terry. Yeah. yeah, like in all honesty, I think that there's going to be a point where, again, he's he's going to have to make a decision. And if you've put him in a situation where he understands that you that he's been allowed to build, because he's talked about like Mike didn't trust me, right? But now the trust is there. Mm-hmm. And if you allow him to continue to grow, there's nothing that says he can't average 17, 18 points a game coming off the bench for the Sacramento Kings. There's nothing. Like, he has that kind of potential. He has that kind of green light. You might not get that green light anywhere else. Or you might get that green light, but, like, do you want to go be Jordan Clarkson? I know he would like Jordan Clarkson money. Not Jordan Clarkson, Jordan uh, Poole. Do you want to go no, be Jordan No, you Clarkson don't want to be Jordan Poole. Well, no, no, you don't want to be that. But that's the thing, though. Like, if you want to say, hey, Mug. Don't like, ever be Jordan Poole. Yeah, you never go full Jordan Poole. Thank you. There's no coming Thank back. You. Yeah, but my point is that, like, okay, you got a whole bunch of money. And I'm sure Malik, if he's offered 17-point-something to start from the Kings, if he's offered a four-year 80 versus a four-year 130, Mm -hmm. like, he has to do what's right for him, Mm -hmm. right? But do you want to go be that guy Mm -hmm. who just doesn't play for winning, who doesn't play, who's just putting up stats, empty stats on a, a horrific team? And the game doesn't even look serious anymore. Like, they're just, like, every game, now we know what Buddy Hill meant when he said, we tricked that game off. Like, they trick every game where you're just watching, you're like, this isn't even serious. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are just out there having a great time getting stomped by 20 every game. Like, that's not fun. Wizards will be here one week from today for that's those that are the Wizards. Yeah. For those that are interested. Oh yeah. They'll be here one that's week a... from today. Of course, last year, uh the great Christmas debacle that was the Washington oh, Wizards. Oh man, game. we'll never forget that one. I I certainly won't. Now now if I put if we pull off the Christmas outing again, it's the Wolves on Saturday night. It's the Timberwolves on the twenty third. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's a tough one to try and uh, see the beam on. Well, I mean, if you brought them to Washington and it didn't work, <laughs> hell, like, hell, let's bring them against the top team in the West. Maybe things will go better this time. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about Brooklyn tonight? I think it's a really good team. They're really good from behind the arc. Mm. They, uh, they lead the league in three-point percentage, and they're like third in attempts or third in makes. Like, they're really, really dangerous from outside. They're also a really good rebounding team. So this is a long athletic team. We've seen the Kings struggle against some long athletic teams, but they they remind me a lot of, um, of Cleveland, where they're long and athletic, but they're really, really, like, thin, like, lightweight guys. So... 
I think this is a game where Domas could have a huge night. Uh, you know, they, Nick Claxton is a very good player. He's averaging like 2.4 blocks per game, and he's only playing like 27 minutes. Mm. He's averaging almost 10 rebounds a game. If you let him loose, he's going to cause some problems. But then it's a lot of like perimeter shooting, a lot of long rebounds. This is a game where you need everyone on board. Um, this is a, to be honest, this is a game you have to have. Like we talked about this last year, and I went and looked this this morning while we were on the show. You know how many times the Kings got to four games over five hundred and couldn't get the fifth win, and, to move five games over five hundred, and then once they did, like they never looked back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they were at nine games over five hundred, like right away. Mm-hmm. That's what you need right now. Is this team has a has a winnable game in front of them? It's a it's a tough opponent, and it's a quality opponent. But it's a game where you're at home. You're six and three at home on the season. You need to keep pushing that record at home, and you got to take care of business. And it's the first night of a back to back, and then what you back to backs have not gone great this year. Exactly. You also the second thing you need to do is you need to lock the locker room door after the whole team except for Mikhail Bridges leaves and just have the the Brooklyn Nets fly away and leave Mikhail Bridges <laughs> in your building and he's now on your team. Because that's, that's, that's how it works. When it they is. get left behind in your building. They it become, is. He needs to get on the wrong flight and be in go. L.A. playing the Clippers yeah. uh, the next night because that right there is like the perfect fit. And if that is too much, I agree, which is the perfect fit. They'd be on Mitchell in a draft pick. That's the number one <laughs> option for sure. Thing. But. If you can't do that, Cam Johnson? Cam Johnson? Yeah. yeah. I, either did one. Did Cam sign? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Mikhail Bridges is like. Yeah, Mikhail. Come on now. We're yeah. talking. We're talking them real banners. Yeah, Mikhail. Get Mikhail here. Yeah, Mikhail's going to be an Olympic gold medalist. He's 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 that dude to me. Yeah, it's like, how, what does it cost? Like, what is the cost that you want to charge me? Shohei Itani. <laughs> and and the other thing too with Mikhail, <laughs> Mikhail is he's got one of those silly Demonis Sabonis uh, OG and Anobi contracts. He makes twenty one point seven, twenty twenty three point three, twenty four point nine. Like they're never gonna trade him just because he's so inexpensive. But man, if you like, you give up three first round picks and whatever else. Like okay, he could be a a really good third on a championship team. You build around him, in my opinion. Yeah. That's why. I, oh, no, I think that that's what they'll do. I don't think Brooklyn's. Yeah. And they're good enough right now. now. Yeah, they are. I mean, three straight wins, I think we said. Um, they had kind of, like, lingered around that 500 mark for a while, maybe just below the 500 mark, and uh, they've kind of kind of gotten themselves going a little bit. Yeah. I get to see Cam Thomas. It doesn't pass at all, but no, man, he, can, not at all. he can fill it up. Pacers are going to trade for him. Oh. I just made that up. It just yeah. seemed like a perfect fit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Him and uh, Buddy and Benedict Mavis yep. just fighting each other for the best. If it's the death lineup, what lineup is that? Yeah. We've had the death lineup, then we have that lineup. The death Oof. of your season lineup. Yeah. That's just, yeah. Solid gold lineup right there. Death yeah. to our hopes of the playoffs. Did, how how bad did you guys get on uh, Patrick Mahomes for his like stomping oh, he was around? A whiny little bitch. Yeah, like like that was stop ridiculous. it. Like what are you doing? Like and how many times is Kadarius Tony going to cost you a game? Well, leave it, him alone. Yeah, leave him alone. Leave him yeah. alone. Like yeah. I heard you talking about but, cut him. He should have been cut week three. Let oh, him yeah. let him cook. Okay, for the record, it's twice. <laughs> it's, it's twice so far. I think it's three times a season that he's impacted your ability to win. Three. Yeah, because he dropped a couple of balls in another game. But the one one. game where it was, like, so wide open, like, he dropped that one was tough. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's nervous because I think he's – I think both of these games Taylor's been at. Maybe he's a little shook up by this whole thing. Maybe. I wouldn't be nervous at all if Taylor Swift was in attendance. It wouldn't move me one Well, I know who you – you know who you would be nervous because I I can't believe they were in the suite together was Baron Corbin. (laughs) Baron Corbin? Look up Baron Corbin's Twitter account. He's got a picture with him and and Taylor Swift and a couple other people in the suite at the game. Like, bro, what the hell are you doing there? Casey's there. Can you guys believe broke Baron Corbin's here? (laughs) He's winning. (laughs) I guess he is. Yeah. Uh, I guess he is. Well, uh, we got Kings basketball tonight, Kings and the Nets. Make sure you're tapped in tomorrow morning. 
uh, with the insiders beginning at 10 a.m., not only for a full recap of the Kings and the Nets. Of course, we've got two Monday night football games tonight as well. And uh, we've got a week's worth of PS5s to give away. The only way you can win those is to lock in uh, on the insiders. Uh, So whether that's through YouTube, Twitch, whether that's through the Odyssey app or 1320 AM, make sure that you're tapped in with us beginning tomorrow uh, at 10 a.m. And we'll see you back here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. Vamos, Kings, light the beam.